hail Leonardo, a great strong center back. Hey everyone and welcome to South Dakota Loves Panucci, the football podcast where we explore the less conventional aspects of the game, as well as, as always, walking our existential path of why South Dakota loves Panucci quite so much. I'm Jamie and I'm here with Zavi and Wilf. Guys, how are you? All good, all good. Yeah, feeling, did... feeling good after a Chelsea win. Yeah, we're doing all right, doing all right. How you doing, Jamie? Yeah, not bad. I think of weekend, eh? The magic of the cup. What's your favourite thing that happened this weekend then? Uh, Kai Havertz's bullet header. That's <laughs> my highlight. The definition of, of a bullet header. Of all that. Kind of, of falling that. on your defender and injuring yourself, but still getting the goal. Of all the things that happened this weekend, <laughs> Tottenham going to a non-league team and a reality TV star coming on in a 3-0 victory against Leeds. And you've gone for Kai Havertz's header in a 4-0 win. Against I'm just saying, Morgan. if... If Chelsea beating Morecambe 4-0 at Stamford Bridge in front of no fans doesn't tell you about the magic of the <laughs> FA Cup, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what to say to you, really. You I do think... keep hearing that phrase, don't you, the magic of the FA Cup? And I sort of think that, like, obviously there was no fans, but it did do quite a lot for me this weekend. It did all right as a, as a trophy. I was invested. Yeah, it was a welcome break from league action. Um, Wilf, I reckon that Kai Havertz header wasn't even his best header of the weekend, by the way. <laughs> I think the I assist. Think... Yeah, I think the cushioned one into yeah, Banner took, took the cake. Well, when you're that good, you know, those two, <laughs> two isolated incidents, if that's, if that's what you're competing with. One slightly sad thing that wasn't picked up by the mainstream media this weekend, which is where we specialise, <laughs> is the sad story of a gala. Sorry, you just say mainstream media. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea where this is going to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm using it in its conventional form, which is to follow it up by talking about a gala. So Agallo didn't come off the bench for United this weekend, which isn't unusual given he hasn't come on very often. It's just that it was his last game for United and they were playing Watford. And he did an interview with Watford saying how special the game was going to be for him. And United are winning the game 1-0. And they've got a sub left. And it's like 85 minutes. And he's presumably jumping up and down the touchline. And then when you're at school and you want to come on playing football against another school, and you're like making eye contact with the coach like while you're doing your stretching, that was presumably the situation, but uh, Solskjaer didn't bite. So that was um, that was the saddest thing that happened the week. Oh, but I didn't know about that. That's heartless. I didn't. I didn't realize there was a there was a sub left over. I didn't realize that. I knew he didn't come on, and that was the thing. I didn't realize that there was the opportunity to bring him on. That is quite sad. That's Solskjaer going full Mourinho there. It, like he he's really trying now. It's like a bit of momentum in him, and it's like suddenly, yeah, no. Did you Odeon, see, no. Did you see Mourinho bringing on all of these incredible first-team players against Marine away? The Marine manager said afterwards, he was like, yeah, Tottenham, they showed us an awful lot of respect. And I think Mourinho's been saying that for years. He just says, uh, I'm playing the senior players to show respect to the opposition. And he's been doing that against everyone in his refusal to play any youth players for like the last 15 years or something. Even if it's Marine away. To be fair, he did bring on Alfie Devine. I have an I have a fun fact about Alfie Devine. Guess how old he was when Mourinho said that he was the special one. Okay, uh, oh zero. He was minus two months. <laughs> he was born after that. He came through the Wigan youth system and left Wigan when Wigan got relegated in 2013. He was nine in 2013. It feels like Wigan got relegated like two seasons ago to me. <laughs> It's incredible. And he's since then come through the Tottenham youth system. Yeah, it's worth talking about Mourinho here. I'm quoting now from The Guardian. I just thought this was so funny. There was an impressive turn too from Jose Mourinho, who came to Crosby on his most gracious, aggressively respectful form, enjoying immensely the reflected spectacle of his own crinkly humility. 
The word from Spurs is in a sanctum was that Mourinho was, quote, preparing normally with massive respect, which to be fair, doesn't sound that normal. Snipe, snark, underhand tactics. Now that really would be the ultimate respect. So we looked forward to Mourinho's provocative shushing gestures over the back garden fences. Would he poke a school teacher in the eye, jostle an NHS nurse, gesture about his trophy hall to a dozing pensioner? And it makes a good point because Mourinho being respectful is actually the least respectful way Mourinho could approach a game. I think Vinicius's uh, first goal, that showed a bit of respect. That was taking absolutely no chances on the line. He absolutely hammered it. And then the celebration as well. Just beautiful. The beautiful game in all its glory. God has nothing to do with your opener away at Marine in the third round of the FA Cup. Gareth Bale came on and there's a great picture of a guy just looking out his window and seeing Gareth Bale just like about 15 metres away on a football field. Jamie, what did you think was the most charming aspect of the game, the Marine game? It's got to be the fact that they all did the, all the Marine players had set, like their full-time jobs were exactly the jobs you'd want them to be. So to make it a proper FA Cup upset. So the lads who hit the crossbar from 35 yards, beating England's second, joint second most capped goalkeeper of all time is a trainee plumber. Perfect. If he, if he was an accountant, that wouldn't be fun. That, there's no FA Cup magic in an accountant pinging the ball over Joe Hart. There's nothing magical full stuff about an accountant, really. <laughs> I remember a kid called Jared Rivers in 2015 for Blythe Spartans, and, and he scored like a late winner. He, he worked in his mum's news agents, and he was about 22, and that was all they spoke about for the next fortnight. I remember they had a, a derby match against Hartlepool. And, um, yes, it was Hartlepool, wasn't it? I think he... Marlon Harewood was playing for Hartlepool. I think. Maybe I've made that up. I seem to remember him not doing very much, just wandering around the halfway line. Yeah, so what else went on in the FA Cup? We had a shock at Crawley Town. Zavs, you want to talk a little bit about this? Well, I mean, the bit that everyone's going to talk about. If you're a Crawley Town player, are you going to be quite annoyed by the fact that the only thing in the headlines is Mark Wright makes his professional footballing debut at 33? That's an extraordinary result. They've battered Leeds. And I know Leeds are like a bit of a... You can't. You never really know what you're going to expect because they literally let everyone have a game. That's part of their game plan, right? But that's sort of been ruined by the last three minutes. It's really nice for him to get his professional debut. And it is quite funny to me that someone who has come through the youth system at TOWIE has ended up gracing the same field as Rodrigo. I I think Rodrigo came off at halftime, so they didn't play at the same time, but he's a game away from playing on the same football field as half the Real Madrid squad, right? (laughs) If If you're looking at like, you know, six degrees of separation, Mark Wright is one game away from playing with Ronaldo. Well, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of the cup. The footballing six degrees of separation closes quite quickly. You know, I remember watching Coutinho at uh, Kings Meadow, watching Wimbledon play Liverpool. And all these lads who had played through the non-leagues, all their former teammates are now one-off Coutinho. One thing that came up this weekend for me was Chorley hosted Derby County. And Chorley are National League North. So they're a decent level. They're, you know, they're a different uh, universe to Marine. But they played Derby's youngsters. Yeah. And it was such a difficult game beforehand to assess how that was going to go. Because you have a bunch of lads who are very talented in Derby's young players versus like men <laughs> like grown-ups who play for Chorley um, and like they'll they're specifically going to play in like a pretty physical manner as well right yeah well, Chorley way I believe yeah. <laughs> one game I want to talk about is Liverpool Villa and quite how well quite how well Villa did in the first half at least I mean to be fair in the whole game they did 
exceptionally well. I think they only the they only concede they conceded three goals in the space of like you know ten minutes or something like that. It might have been less. And you know, then, the, you know what the best bit was is Louis Barry, the young lad who scored for um, Villa, swap, swapping shots with Fabinho, which apparently is fine in terms of COVID at the Premier League ground, but not no, but no, but the... And then he decides to get his shirt back, yeah. right? Yeah, so he he goes, oh shit, I actually want a shirt. I scored against Liverpool on my debut age seventeen, and so he goes to Fabinho and says, do you want to swap back? And Fabinho, bless him, is not interested in taking Louise Barry's Barry. shirt off him. No, Fabinho is like midway to throwing it in the dressing room bin. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the thing is, he does, this is the detail, right? He doesn't swap back. He gives him the shirt. He just says, you can yeah, keep mine. as and... you would. So do you reckon that night, Louis Barry goes to bed wearing this, this shirt he scored in Fabinho's? I'd imagine both. If, he, if he'd got Salah's, then maybe he wears Salah's. But uh, oh yeah, like Fabinho gets Fabinho gets through too much work though. I bet it'd be sweating. Yeah, yeah. if it's Minamino's, I mean, there's no danger. It smells <laughs> smells fresh as a daisy. <laughs> Salah or Mane, then then he's looking at maybe he's wearing one of those. And if Van Dyke were playing, he he might he might be wearing that as well. Who would you? I was interested. Who, Imagine how big Van, Van Dyke's Van Dyke shirt would be on Louis Barry. <laughs> if Van Dyke were playing, I'm not sure Louis Barry would have scored. <laughs> how many? Um, if you were a Villa player, whose shirt would you have gone for? Manes, 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 yeah. yeah. Really? Straight yeah. over Salah? He's definitely the best player at Liverpool. He's the best yeah. player in the Premier League, I think. I don't know if I'd agree with that, but he's like he's because Salah scores all the goals, it criminally underrates Mane. Mane's phenomenal. I'm gonna not pick up on the claim that Mane is the best player in the Premier League, which is neither here nor there. Could be. And say he, he's, I, he's top three in the world. Mane. Okay, let's do this. Do you reckon? Yeah, yeah. Two Genuinely, who are yeah. the other two for you? Lewandowski. And Messi, De, De Bruyne is the best player in the Premier League. I think, I, th- I think I would, I would say that. But again, again, it's just like they're all, they're all so good. That's all. It comes to the point where it's like, well, I think this and I think that. Yeah, everyone's right, aren't they? I think, I think Mane's slightly more replaceable than De Bruyne. There are more Mane's about. Like Hazard did a similar job to what Mane does, or be less productively. Um, whereas De Bruyne, I think, is the only one who quite does what he does. By which I mean, in a team like City. He looks far and away the best. And, you know, like his famous yeah. right-hand side half space, finding a very baffled looking Jesus who then misses. But even if he had scored, his eyebrows wouldn't have moved. You know, I guess he's... my thing with De Bruyne is he may be a better footballer, but I think Mane's more effective in the sense that even when City play badly, De Bruyne still plays well, which makes me question like how effective his, like, his obvious skill is. You know what I mean? It's like he never really plays like terribly. But it, he's relying on Sterling and et cetera to finish off those chances. Yeah. And so he has less of an impact in a way. Well, it makes me think of William. Do you remember when William was really good in spite of Chelsea being shit? Like William was brilliant. I think he was only ever really good. He had his best spells when Chelsea were rubbish. Which is not something that's translated to Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> I think I think Matt, my my take off is the man is more um replaceable. I, I think if you were to say that Mane is, is more effective, that might just be more about the systems that the managers utilise, not necessarily the players in, but just at their entire team. And on top, if you played Jota instead of um, Sadio Mane, I think Liverpool would be less affected negatively than the positive benefit they get if you changed Wijnaldum for De Bruyne. With that said, I love Wijnaldum. Yeah, so what else to be said about Liverpool Villa? Well, I, I've got a little segment here. Kind of similar to Zavi's ridiculous black and red in my head 
segment. I don't know if you guys, uh, you guys missed that last week. That was gold. Tune in. <laughs> um, so I've tried to, I've, I've come with an equally terrible pun and it, and it's called locked up a fraud. And it's, it's essentially, <laughs> it's essentially the South Dakota loves Benucci fraud jail, where each week we, we place a footballer in, in football, Twitter fraud, you know, incarceration ah. for the week. Um, and, and we've got, so I'm going to put up a name here. And this is very against the grain. This is a, I just want to warn you now that this is a ridiculous take. And, and hopefully it won't be so hot takey every time. Although I think the, the, the point of fraud jail is that it is a hot take. It's and you're, you're, you are calling, yeah, you're, you're calling, you know, Champions League winners frauds. Like that's the whole idea. It's fraudiola. Um, and so, so this week's, my contender for locked up a fraud this week is, is Aston Villa sensation Louis Barry. <laughs> so I'm just going to lay out the case here. Okay, okay. okay. The kids are fraud. This is, I, I this really is thought Gareth was, Barry's grandson, I, Louis Barry. I really okay. thought that this was going to be Pele. <laughs> <laughs> Pele. Or no, skulls. I'm working my way from Louis Barry to <laughs> Pele. That's what this segment is. Of the favela Marcus Bent. The favela Matthew Everington. I love it's <laughs> a different player every time. Matt the favela Jarvis. Matthew Everington. <laughs> Matt Jarvis has been my favourite one so far. Okay. Right, so, so what are we doing here? Will. Louis Barry. Barcelona fraud. Discuss. The kid signs for the biggest club in the world at age, what was he? He was, he was about 12. He was like, I think he was 15. And there was a whole big legal thing about it. But the kid signs there, three-year deal. It's looking up. Gets caught up in this, in this whole legal shitstorm with West Brom. And, but, then, but then FIFA decided it's okay. And so he's there. He's at the biggest club in the world living the dream what does he do nothing and then in in january 2020 signs for aston villa for for 3.5 million which is a hell of a lot of a, money for it for a 17 year old did not Barcelona realize they shopping. signed him for 3.5 million <laughs> i mean those are the add-ons which presumably included a, a, a meaningless goal against liverpool in the fa cup third round that's probably all the add-ons that, that exist he'll have been 16 when they signed him well, sorry to clarify, your take here is failing to break into the Barcelona first team age 17. Yeah. You, you, yeah, I can, I, can get on, I can get on board with this. You're living the dream and suddenly you're, you're shunted to Villa Park where your only hope of any real success is a mass COVID outbreak <laughs> in which you then get a goal that means nothing in the context of anything other than the fact that you might get Fabinho's shirt. So I'm just calling it now. I think there's going to be a lot of big Louis Barry takes. People are going to be calling him the next Phil Foden, all of this. And I'm just calling it early fraud. Okay, well, tell you what. He's had his chance and he blew it. (laughs) Okay. His chance and he definitely took it. (laughs) Full Robert De Niro in Copland. All right, Zavs, you tell me, is that a bigger fraud or is this bigger fraud? Now, this, I may be misinterpreted the question as an actual example of fraud. Okay, so you guys are, yeah, you guys are competing. So you're going to, what you're going to say is you're going to give me a footballer who's actually participated in fraud and I'm going to have to weigh up as to whether or not he's a bigger fraud than Aston Villa's 17-year-old Louis Barry, who's played one, scored one. Nice kid from Birmingham who loves Aston Villa. Right. I'm, I'm just going to quote at you here. Okay. Uh, unbeknownst to the Togo FA, a friendly, <laughs> re- 
Unbeknownst to the Togo FA, a friendly was organised between Togo and Bahrain in 2010, and a team of imposters turned up for the match. Bahrain rolled past the team of punters, winning 3-0 in a match described by a handful of Bahrain players as boring. We don't think their opposition were too concerned, having scammed their way into playing an international match. So what's going on there, to clarify, is some people have just decided to email on behalf of the Togo FA, pretending to be the Togo national team, and they've organised a friendly with Bahrain, which they then turned up and lost 3-0. Actual fraud. Come on, Louis Barry doesn't have a shot here. I don't know, Louis Barry is... <laughs> is, 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 is... Just think of all the Louis Barry takes flying a, around this I week. Think, I think because of the number of takes that he's spawned, maybe, maybe that's more fraudulent. <laughs> Okay, 1-0 Wolf. No, I don't know. I don't know. I think obviously, I mean, do you know anything more about the, the Togo Bahrain incident? No, although the more I'm thinking, the more I'm thinking Did they about get it. looked after, the Togonese, well, the Togonese in air quotes, football team? So this is amazing. They flew them out. They flew out the uh, Bahrain side to Togo and put them up in a hotel. <laughs> Wait, who was financing this? I don't know. Adebayor. Adebayor. <laughs> Two thousand millions ago, they turned up to Loam, uh, Togo's capital. At least sixty thousand dollars was spent on flights, hotels, and other expenses. God, that's quite a okay. That's that is prank. That's more fraudulent than Louis Barry. Yeah, okay, yeah, that, I've I've made my executive decision. I'll um, get Barry in next week. Don't worry. <laughs> on Louis Barry, because as you mentioned, you kind of um, laid down the claim, Wilf, that he is Gareth Barry's grandson during the game. If you went on Louis Barry's Wikipedia, which I did because I'd never heard of him, went on his Wikipedia and it just said he was Gareth Barry's son. So obviously, like because obviously that's what people do when someone when someone does something in the public eye. About five minutes after that, Louis Barry's Wikipedia page could not be edited because I tried myself. So clearly <laughs> they'd got wind of it. I was absolutely adamant though that he was he was Gareth Barry's son. He's about the right age. I mean, Gareth Barry's 39, Louis Barry is 17. Footballers always have kids that age, right? Yeah, Cause, and that's because they're not allowed to get they're not allowed to go to restaurants. So you just, you just marry your child to sweetheart and go. <laughs> I mean, it's just the fact that Gareth Barry was absolutely secure and had a house at twenty two. I read this thing once, being like, he's just taken his ten thousandth touch in professional football. But he started playing football in what nineteen ninety. <laughs> you mean like uh, eighteen ninety? So someone said, yeah. So someone's going to house parties and oh, what do you do for a living? Well, let me tell you, Gareth Barry. I think it's the nice if you, you were Gareth counting. Barry was boring to watch. Yeah. Well, I think I think <laughs> if watch you were me, watch him. <laughs> yeah. Gareth Barry. I've got a reckon. goggle box, but just for Gareth people watching <laughs> Gareth Barry. I think, you know, I mean they did one for I'm Zidane, gonna, right? I'm gonna pitch that somewhere. They, they they did like they effectively did that for Zidane. So they had they made a movie out of the 90 minutes uh, Zidane played in the World Cup final. And it's gorgeous because it's just him with his head on the bubble. Wait, and which which World Cup final? Uh 2006. Oh, 2006. Oh. And it's, it's amazing. So it's the first 90 minutes of the France Italy final. And it just, the camera follows just him around. And it's really cool. I wonder if Gareth Barry would have the they same. They missed the best bit though. <laughs> <laughs> like the thing that everyone knows Zidane for, regardless of if you like football or not, you know that he headbutted a bloke. And in great. that game, in that game, and they didn't get that bit. It's so It'd be self- great if they got a POV shot. <laughs> Speaking of, do you know about this? Ben Foster's The Cycling GK on YouTube. Speaking of Zidane, what's Ben Foster up to? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, so he's he's vlogging, basically. Like It's not an exaggeration to say during games. Oh, yeah, because someone scored against him and celebrated into the vlog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got a little camera in the back of the goal, like a GoPro, right? And the half time, he's like, oh, like, tough for the boys, like, blah, 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 blah. Great content. <laughs> <laughs> 
I remember in, in MLS, they have interviews with goalkeepers during the game. Oh, and I there was saw one that. where Brad Fiedel's like doing it and then a chance coming, he's like, sorry, lads, one second, like makes a save. And he's like, anyway. <laughs> that's, the, that's so on the nose, cool. Like cool guy. Like yeah. It's so weird for us to be able to hear what a footballer is saying from the commentary box or in the camera because obviously they swear so much. In rugby, the ref will turn his mic on. And you can hear what they're saying, so you have a better understanding of what's going on. But that works because rugby players are, for the most part, gentlemen. And apparently in the 90s, they thought about the idea of giving referees mics so that they could hear what they talk about to the players. And they did a trial game with Arsenal. <laughs> apparently Tony Adams, <laughs> within about two minutes, called the referee the C word eight times. <laughs> <laughs> so they were like, we can't do this. This is something that's not going to work. So Louis and, Barry then? Yes. You oh yeah, the... I was absolutely adamant that he was he was Gareth Barry's son. I'd I'd been yeah, re- yeah. I'd been totally reeled in by by this Wikipedia edit. Then when I found out he wasn't, I was a little bit disappointed. So what I did is uh, what I've done is I've I've gone and found a, a bunch of players, and you have to tell me whether or not their their dad is a, is a footballer or not. <laughs> you the surname's slightly give it away, so so we'll uh, we'll go from there. Idris Kanu. Yes. His dad will have been born in the 1800s. I don't buy it. Idris Kanu being, uh, as in, I think I should clarify here, is he Nwankwo's son? Oh, oh, he would be the son, not the dad. He's not the dad, no. <laughs> you're, talking, you're talking about Kanu's dad. Kanu's dad was born in 1593. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently, or Kanu, yeah. Apparently, like, in 2001, the Arsenal doctors were like, yeah, his body is finished. He's, he's, he, had a hole in, he had a hole in his heart, yeah. Like, Seriously? That's a, that's a genuine thing. Oh, yeah. well, now I feel terrible. And like, very, that's why, that's why... Um, because he, he was at was he at Inter Milan? He was definitely at Ajax, and there was a lot of things that didn't work out for him. And like Arsene Wenger was one of these. This is me getting into my old. I miss my old manager. Tears in his <laughs> eyes. You can't see it, there's tears streaming. Line, yeah, down but his face. Ars- Ars- <laughs> Arsene Wenger was like one of the only people to give him a go, and um, turned out, yeah, he did all right. Is Idris Kanu Nwankwo's son? Yes. Yes. Um, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, know how, I don't know how good this game is going to be. This is, this is such nonsense. <laughs> he's a striker. He, he's a striker at Peterborough. And I think he's from, I believe he's from Sierra Leone. Oh, sorry. These are all real footballers, though. You're not just making up first names. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no. They're not all, making up. Okay. They're real footballers. That wouldn't be fair. If I, if I just said Idris Kanu, no, no, no. I thought that was the game. No, no. I, originally, I was like, that would be too hard. That would be too hard. <laughs> I didn't explain that properly, so that's my bad. But I will now... Jeff I will... Lampard, true or false? <laughs> I will now chuck at you, Niall Keown. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. Is that yeah. Martin's boy? Is that his yeah, boy? It is, I don't it know. Is, I've it. just realised I've gone with two ex-Arsenal players first, but that is Martin's boy. Yeah, yeah. Where's he at again? He's unattached at the moment. <laughs> unattached. He, he has played... For... I think he came through the better system, but I think he... Much like easy. Louis Barry, a fraud. <laughs> He's a defender. What do you reckon? Do you reckon he's a? He reckon he's exactly the same type of defender as Martin is. Yes. Yeah. So he most or, recently... or either or he's just like really re- rebelled, like really rebelled, and he's ultra je- like John Stones is his idol, and they constantly <laughs> have battles about it. I tell him, Dad, like... you've got to play from the back. Or like he just doesn't watch games and then makes comments on all the players as if he did. <laughs> Niall Keown didn't come through the Villa system, I tell a lie. He came through the Reading system. He's most recently played, well, he's played for Partick Thistle and St. Johnston. Those are, those are his most recent appearances. He doesn't... That's, now, that is definitely Martin being like, go on up to Scotland, lad. Ready yourself. He, <laughs> he hasn't Reading. played since 2019. 
you know, I don't know if he's going to be back. He's he's 25 as well. So it's, yeah. he's, he's in, in the prime of his career. Uh, the next player is Diego Poyet. Yes, I buy it for sure. I hope so. I love Gus Poyet. That is that is Gus Poyet's boy. Yes. Oh, where, where, where's he in the world? I can confirm that that's Gus Poyet's boy. Um, he's he's retired. Was he? Has he retired? <laughs> I think he might have retired. I mean, he's he's also out of unattached. Also unattached. He's not played. Diego Poyet. We hardly knew you. <laughs> <laughs> he's not played um, since uh, 2018 for a team called Paphos, and uh, that's in Cyprus. <laughs> But he's done it. He's done a spell at MK, by the way. Just letting you know, Jamie. What's he um, he's been on the tattoo for ages. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about this one? This is a fun one. Um, Al Sadi Gaddafi. Come on, stop. As in, as in. As in, no, that's, no. That, that's the son of Muammar. I can tell you, Gaddafi's boy played a couple of times. Uh, well, played once for Udinese. I've kind of given it the wrong way around there because like his dad wasn't a footballer, he was a merciless tyrant. But um <laughs> speaking of Martin Keir. <laughs> <laughs> right, we've got on to the next one. Lucas Forcell. No, Forcell's oh. too young, surely. Yeah, so that is that is Mikel Forcell's son, but he's four. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not uh, I'm calling it early. Old. Fraud, fraud cells. <laughs> That's uh, that's not me. The... <laughs> I don't know if it's weird that I divulge that he's four, but it's on his Wikipedia, so um, I don't feel that bad. Gavin Strachan, thoughts? Gavin Strachan. Gordon would definitely have a Gavin, but is it too so? on the nose? Is it too so? on the nose? Yeah, it's on the nose. Yeah, I mean, it is a footballer though, right? So is it is it Gordon's boy? It won't be. It is Gordon's. Boy. It is Gordon. oh, and I can tell you an interesting fact about Gavin Strachan is that. Gordon was the Gordon's player... boy is the sequel to Gregory's girl. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon Strachan was the player manager for Coventry, and his last season playing was uh, in ninety six ninety seven. He was player manager, and Gavin was in the under under eighteens. So conceivably, Gordon could have could have given Gavin a cap. He then did give him a cap as a manager, but he conceivably could have played with his son in the same team. Whilst all, like whilst also picking that team, that's cool. That's a bit like uh, Johnson coming on for his dad for Iceland. Yeah, that is fun. I have a really funny photo with Papa Strachan because I was in a, I was in a restaurant in in London and I thought it was him at the other table. So I got my friend I got my friend Sophie to keep walking to the bathroom <laughs> past his table to see if he could spot if she could hear a Scottish accent because I didn't <laughs> want to say to this la- this guy, "Are you Gordon Strachan?" When he wasn't Gordon Strachan. So eventually she was like, "Yeah, I think it's Scottish. I think so." But that wasn't quite enough for me. But then I saw him and he was really short. And I was like, oh, I knew he played on the wide right. So I reckon that's that. So I went over and said, I'm so sorry. Are you Gordon Strachan? He said, he was so sweet. And I said, what are you doing in London? He said, oh, you know, down here the whole time. And he was Hibbs's uh, director of football or whatever it was. And he left the next day. <laughs> <laughs> he left the next day. I mean, I feel like you can't really trust Gordon Strachan because I still don't know what colour his hair is. No idea. And that's why I was glad when he left the Scotland manager job. I was like, nah, I just can't trust you. We have one more. We have one more player left. And that's Nigel Hasselbank. Yes, he definitely have a Nigel. I always thought that he looked a bit like a Nigel. Is it? Yeah. Is that is that Jimmy Floyd's son? I'm going to go no. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It is. It is. Oh. So just okay. to clarify, Zach, so it's, 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 it's not. 
Oh, he's Nig- not. Nigel Hasselbank is. Um, it's like the yeah, Moonlight no. La La Land moment. He's he's his nephew. <laughs> his nephew, interesting. He's his nephew, yeah, because I remember Nigel Hasselbank being like quite good. Well, being not very good for St Johnson, which is like one of my local teams <laughs> in Scotland. I enjoyed that, Abs, and I'm glad at the end uh, it wasn't because otherwise the structure of that quiz would have been. Is I'm this Carnu's son? son? No. no. <laughs> and then every other answer, just yes. What I ended up doing is I ended up just searching players that I thought might have sons. Um, <laughs> I, I went on. You're sorry, I sorry. On... Pause, pause, pause. You are joking. <laughs> you are joking. I went on. I went on Damien Duff's Wikipedia page, and I sp- I found that he uh, he set up uh, on his debut for Melbourne City. He set up a goal for David Veer, which I had absolutely no idea about. And uh, Steve Finnan. He spent the majority of the early 2010s in the Gambia, providing irrigation for po- impoverished children. Seriously? Uh, I found, found out these fun, fun, interesting facts. That was just lovely of Steve Finnan, right? Do you reckon, I don't know if this is pretty out there, do you reckon there's a kid out there in the Gambia who knows that Steve Finnan played in two Champions League finals? And in those two Champions League finals, the team he was playing for scored a combined total of four goals. But when he was on the pitch, they scored a combined total of no goals. Do you reckon, do you reckon the gap? No, the, the kids and he's just Gambia, shouting fraud at him every time he's in this. Do you reckon the kids in the Gambia know that? I reckon, I find out I reckon the kids the... in the Gambia has compared him to Louis Barry. <laughs> it's like, I find that just like Steve Finnan got subbed off. He was the change at halftime. They took Finnan off at 3 0 down against AC Milan and then came back and drew 3 3 and then won on penalties. And then at 2 0 down against AC Milan, in the 85th minute, they took Steve Finnan off. And they scored <laughs> to make it 2-1. They didn't win that game. But it was the fact that both times, like, the difference was just taking Steve Finn off. So before we finish up, at South Dakota Loves Benucci, we always want to be talking a little bit about our main man, Leonardo. Mm-hmm. So last week, Xavi did an interview with the South Dakotan himself uh, to talk about his love and the community's love for Leonardo Benucci. It was on last week, but we'll plug it again here because it was that good. So, who are you and what are your credentials? My name is Daniel Wise and I am a South Dakotan uh, who follows soccer religiously. You know, I spent the last 10 years living in Washington, D.C., where I got very into uh, D.C. United and MLS. I recently, uh, last year, moved back to South Dakota and I've been proselytizing the good word of soccer uh, through Leonardo Benucci, the great center back of Juventus. And, and I believe that's why I'm here to talk to you because uh, I've helped him sell a million jerseys over here in South Dakota. How many of those jerseys do you own yourself? Probably three quarters of that. So why do you guys love him so much? I have a conspiracy theory about why Benucci is so popular uh, over here in the States. Um, and I think that comes from Weston McKinney. South Dakotans, we appreciate a very non-conventional type of center back, someone who, who can surprise you. When people saw Weston go to Juventus, they were like, okay, you know, we're, we're, we're going to watch this a little bit. And uh, when they saw Benucci uh, just, just coming on with that flair, that is so, you know, atypical of a center back. I think people took notice and, and they wanted to give him so much love for that. Are there any specific qualities that Benucci has that Chiellini doesn't that makes him more appealing to South Dakotans? You, you know, South Dakotans just, they appreciate a nice chiseled jawline. 
and uh, Bonucci just has that in spades. You could cut diamonds with that thing. So, you know, that I think that is just sort of the, the winning point right there. Is there a big Italian presence in South Dakota? The hilarious thing is absolutely not. The most Italian we get is one Olive Garden in Sioux Falls. And aside from that, you know, it's primarily, you're talking sauerkraut and kuchen over here. This is, this is German country or Scandinavian country. And, and so the fact that uh, an Italian like Benucci has sort of broken through and really ingratiated himself to the people of South Dakota is, is a testament to him, you know, I think on a personal level. He does take penalties. Do you think that's a big factor? I, you know, I, like I said, uh, we, we love people who are unconventional, who, you know, can kind of roll up their sleeves, get out there and, and do the job. Uh, that's, that's the South Dakota way of life. And I, I think Benucci just really uh, exemplifies that. Do you know of any occasion where Mr. Benucci has visited South Dakota before? You know, I, I think if he ever visited, he'd probably be real good in our basketball culture over here. Because, I mean, that's what South Dakota is. It's, uh, it's, it's big basketball country over here. And big Benucci country, particularly. Yeah. Would, would you be the first of presumably many South Dakotans to extend an invitation to the man himself? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be against it. I would uh, love to see what his reaction would be. Well, we at South Dakota Loves Benucci can definitely make that happen. We've got, we've got one last question uh, for you, Daniel Wise. And that is, yes. why do you hate Christian Pulisic? He plays for Chelsea. And if I know anything, uh, South Dakota is North London country. Daniel Wise, thank you so much. And there's plenty to say about that interview, although most of it we said last week. So I think what we'll do is we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for listening to the second episode of South Dakota Loves Benucci. I've been Jamie, that was Wolf and Zavs, and we'll see you next week. Hail Leonardo, a great strong centre-back. 